Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Uh, just up shortly after this, um, my t- guest today, Lori Joyce, is the founder of Better With Ice Cream. And this is Founder Series number 15. Lori was a great get or a great guest um, on the podcast. We had a lot of fun. Um, and she really gets into what drove her to want to take um, really a family recipe from where she's from uh, in Canada and turn it into a brand. And one of the things that you will get into that I want to highlight is pay attention to uh, the way she's being extremely strategic, calculated, and slow to market on purpose. Uh, she's really got a great strategy for how she wants to uh, be competitive really in North America and, and beyond in the ice cream category and how she's going about it. So hope you guys enjoy. Lori will be up right after this. And just to put into the show notes um, at the beginning and switch it up a little bit instead of putting it at the end, uh, have a couple different links in the show notes. As always, after you listen to the episode, you'll hopefully want to check out Better With Ice Cream. So their link is mentioned and located in the show notes. Um, and then as always, for the investing folks out there, if you want to try Robinhood and get a free stock by signing up, hit the link in the bio. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the stocks and companies I'm interested in, that I'm investing in, and that I'm keeping an eye on, also follow the link to the COVID stock market rebound tracker where you can find all of those different investment vehicles. And then finally, uh, last but not least, Whoop, the company that I talk about on here a lot. Um, it's the fitness strap that I'm addicted to. My wife's addicted to. I'm getting all my friends addicted to it too. Click the link, learn more about what it is. They're not a sponsor. I just love sharing all the cool stuff uh, that I find in my own life with all of my listeners. So check it out. All right, everybody. Without further ado, Lori Joyce. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining for another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am pumped today to have Lori Joyce on the show to talk about her brand Better With. And Lori, thank you for coming on. Thanks very much, Shane. Promise this will be fun. This will be a blast. I bet it will. Um, Do you mind giving the listeners a little background into you and what you're building? Yeah, it's going to be a tease considering that I think most of your listeners are US-based. Oh, so yeah. you won't, you will actually know to... that's not true. I thought that until recently I started looking at the demographic and actually we do have some people in Canada. Oh, fantastic. Which is, so, I, you know, I don't really know where they came from, but I'm pumped to have them. Um, Better With is currently a West Coast Canadian brand. So I'm very strategically determined to get into the U.S. market. So maybe we'll do podcast interview number two when that Let's happens. Yes. So my ice cream is um, built on the core principles of Clean Label. You know, I wanted to produce an ice cream that was a reflection of my upbringing. So old world, um, indulgent, and ultimately ice cream like your grandmother used to make in your kitchen. Uh, yeah, got it. Do you, um, why, why do you think, because when you like wanted to come up with that, was there research that went into like looking if other brands had done that or, and if not, I'm assuming there's, I know from my research that it really isn't. Why do you think like 
some of the bigger ice cream brands have not tried to do that? Well, it all started a few years ago when my two boys started eating solid foods. And as a mom, for the first time, I became very cognizant of what I was feeding them. Now, um, take it back to the 70s. My parents came here from Croatia and immediately brought the tradition of farming. And that was my upbringing. I literally, I'm that girl that didn't know what an aluminum can was until I moved out and went to university. Oh, whoa. Wait, why is that? I've never heard of that like a saying before. Because everything that I grew up eating was made from scratch. Got, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah okay. Got it. Got so it. Everything we, came from the farm or everything was, yeah. Everything was grown. Uh, we were self-sustaining and everything was either, excuse the expression, killed that day or picked that day. Yeah. And that's how I grew up with that insp- influence. And um, it really is something that I didn't appreciate, honestly until I became a mom. But once I became a mom, it really resonated with me. And I started reading ingredient labels. And I discovered for the first time that what I had been (laughs) buying for my kids ultimately wasn't even classified as ice cream. It was frozen dessert. Yeah. And as a consumer, I was like, what the fuck is that? Sure. Yeah. Like I just, (laughs) sorry for for swearing, but that was my reaction in the aisle. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what's frozen dessert? And why is it, why is this not ice cream? So I was already an entrepreneur. Not not to cut you off. What is, I was reading that on your website. What is like the, for people who don't know, what, what, how would you describe the difference between real ice cream and frozen dessert or like what they call ice cream in a lot of ways? Well, it's a scientific definition in order for it to be classified as ice cream. There needs to be at least 10% butterfat in the recipe. Oh, okay. Got it. Didn't know that. Either did I at the time. And, um, I, and I liked ice cream. You know, I also at the time owned my own bakery business. Um, So because I was an entrepreneur and, you know, immediately I just saw this as a unique opportunity. Uh, Haagen-Dazs, which we're all familiar with, is real ice cream. Okay. They are a very big and obvious competitor to mine. Got it. Um, They've been in the market for 20, 30 years, maybe even longer. Um, Obviously, we both grew up eating it. But for me, I wanted something that was a little bit more, um, I want to say local, um, handpicked ingredients, something that had principles that were relevant to today. You know, Haagen-Dazs is a big company today. I wanted some, I wanted to build a company and a brand that had a real person behind it. Um, a real person that was going to make honest decisions, going to, that was going to drive an honest product. Got it. Oh yeah. That totally makes sense. And did you, when you started, when you started out to like develop this, do you remember like your first version of better with ice cream or like the first batch? So I know a lot of CPG brand founders have this story um, where they started in their kitchen. Sure. That's not my story. I grew up on Vancouver Island, which is uh, just Northwest of Seattle excuse me, of Seattle. And there was this amazing ice cream parlor up Island. Okay. And I was a big fan. Um, They literally made ice cream from scratch every day at that ice cream parlor. And from scratch, that means they cracked eggs, like whole eggs into that recipe. Right. They made, they made this recipe from scratch. They created it. They owned it. And they made the most phenomenal ice cream. And so when I became interested in this whole idea of ice cream, 
I started doing my research and that meant eating a lot of ice cream. So everywhere I went, I scoured the planet for ice cream, right? Everywhere. I went to Italy. I went to Montreal. I went to Toronto. I went to Seattle. I went to, like, I went everywhere. Wow. But I always compared it to this ice cream parlor on Vancouver Island. And they always, in my mind, with my kind of taste expectations, were better. Okay. And so I approached them. I was like, what are you guys doing? You know, how are you doing this? Uh, they knew me. They knew me as such a loyal fan at that time. And I was bringing my family in. So we already had a relationship. And um, I, just, I just asked them if they would be interested in doing this with me. And oh, cool. they were older. They were much older. Uh, this was not even 10 years ago. So I guess they would have been like 65 at the time. They were a couple European as well and um they were like god Lord, it's the last thing we feel like doing is <laughs> getting into a new business at this yeah. time they were really they were just really content with making this world's best ice cream out of their ice cream shop and um but i was a marketer right that's that's the skill that i bring to this business and um so we settled with they were going to teach me everything they knew okay. and uh the the husband in the relationship he's literally my godfather of ice cream oh wow that's cool yeah. So that's that's our relationship. I'm literally going up there tomorrow. Um, and they he was the guy that answered every phone call that I had. And so I took their recipe and I took it into, um, I wanted to scale it essentially. So how do we take it into this like craft of making these small batches and turning it to a CPG grocery brand so that right. the world can enjoy this product. And that's where they really helped me take that you know, take the formula. So oh, that's awesome. Very cool. That's the beginning of that story. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it because if anything, uh, the base is exactly the same as okay. far as the percentage breakdown in the ingredients. But in my own way, I wanted to make it, and this is where I added my own kind of intention with the brand is I made the ingredients, I think a little better. So because it's important today for the consumer, I sourced my ingredients for my flavors so I know that my coffee, for example, is a organic Brazilian Arabica bean, fair trade. I really spent more, I invested more time in, in sourcing ingredients for the flavors. Gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But promising them, and that was the only, and I, this is actually really important um, and probably really important for um, people that are listening to your podcast that, that want to start their own business. Great. The yeah. only promise I had to make to them and this is what was so important to them is that I would never compromise on the formula. Oh, wow. The quality. The quality. They were like, you know, because, because the um, recipe is so clean. And when I say clean, there's no gums. There's no preservatives. The only stabilizer, essentially, which is the egg yolk, which is an emulsifier, that's it. So really, uh, it's quite unstable. We yeah. can't, we can't play with it that much and if you do ultimately it will result in a product that will um separate the, you know mm. you'll get crystallization the freezing temperature there's just all these characteristics that will change the mouthfeel ultimately sure. and because they had over 20 years experience in working with this formula they really understood the characteristics of it and so they not only saved me a lot of time and money but I had to make that promise. I was like, I promise I will not compromise and I'll appreciate the integrity of this formula 
and uh, you know, won't fuck with it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Are they, are they still involved today in any capacity? Well, they're still making their ice cream yeah, from sure. scratch. I mean, I can tell you right now, <laughs> I phoned them this morning to tell them I was coming up because um, we're, they inspire me and give me insight um, for flavors that they create that are trending. Oh, that's um, cool. Well, the advantage with the relationship is that they have an ice cream shop. I don't. So sure. in that ice cream they're shop- direct to consumer right there. They're, they're direct to consumer. They get immediate feedback. And so when they're creating new flavors, they, they, they get the reaction immediately. So I'm still able to utilize them as a resource to find out what's hot and what's not. And um, the product and the market that I'm making this ice cream for, whether you're on Vancouver Island or where you are or anywhere in North America, the consumer today um, is very similar in expectations when you're looking at a premium ice cream product. You know, taste is king, um, but they want something that is, you know, obviously aside from it being natural, but they want they want to be able to have an emotional response when they put that spoon in their mouth that it's it's almost orgasmic, right? right? Okay. That's Got it. that's where I want this ice cream to go. And so I've spent before COVID, I spent primarily my marketing was doing demos, you know, in, in grocery stores. And, and that was really, really instrumental for me because that's, that was my testing, right? Okay, so every time it. I gave that consumer a, a sample of my ice cream, I was watching their reaction. There needed to be a moment of silence. I wanted to see like, and if they didn't react that way, you know, that's where I was asking the questions. Like, okay. How am I, how am I letting you down right now with this experience? What would you want? And, um, and so these people up Island, they have that every day that their door is open. Right. So I study that. I look for that. That's important. Got it. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. It sounds like you have a, a true, um, connection with your consumers, especially in the region where you're at and where you've started. Has COVID impacted any of that? That was like the first thing that came to mind as you're talking about in-store sampling and people coming to a a physical location has that had to evolve a little bit this year oh it's changed everything yeah you know there's been no demos there's there's complete intolerance for that which initially i was relieved because i was really tired <laughs> <laughs> i needed a break <laughs> i was like oh you know thinking this was going to be a couple weeks or a couple months and it would be a nice little break for me so um you know, obviously it hasn't been that, but being a small company still, it allowed me to focus on other strategies, right? Sure. So now what I'm working on is how do I create this sensation and this experience with digital content? Got it. Yeah. Right. Where everyone's focus is now. Mm -hmm. Got it. That makes sense. And then another question to unpack what you just kind of walked through, um, Given the ingredient makeup of what you've developed and what, you know, this husband and wife group at this uh, ice cream shop created, um, what does that look like? I mean, you, I know you're just in Western Canada right now, so you're in a small, like, geographical region. What does that do for, like, shelf life and, um, like, the turnover of your product? Does it have to be eaten pretty quick or, like, because it's frozen, does it last longer? I was curious about how, how that all works in this part of the industry. So when the ice cream is made on the production line, um, everything is made fresh. And our ingredients are actually made per order for that production run. Oh, okay. So because the ingredients are, they have a two week shelf life, but because we time everything so that it gets incorporated into this product 
and then it's frozen right away, obviously, because it's ice cream. The shelf life is just as long as anybody else. That okay. is the advantage of making ice cream. It sure. is, um, it is, you know, over a year. So it, um, we, we don't, we absolutely don't have issues there. Um, the intention of building out this ice cream company was um, driven from my previous business. Um, before this, I used to, I was the co-founder and co-owner of a cupcakes bakery chain. I saw that for a long time. Yeah. And that was, that was, you know, actually, ironically, um, because you are in the States, that was inspired by 9-11. And that okay. was my girlfriend and I being in our 20s, um, ultimately being impatient with working for other people. And we decided to open up this cupcake shop. It was one shop. It was in 2002. Uh, didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that, that actually morphed into a TV show, which was quite quite ironic. That's really cool. So, yeah, I, saw, I read that on, I was reading that on your LinkedIn. That's, that's wild. So how could you just, before you move on, I'm so curious how that all worked. And that's because it has to have some sort of relevance to, I'm sure how you're, how you work and do things today. So you started uh, like a cupcake 100%. business and got on a TV show. Um, Heather and I were, we were coming from, we're salespeople. Okay. And we, we grew up together and we were always working together kind of side by side in these sales jobs, everything from literally selling sweatshirts to selling fax machines, um, to then selling this odor neutralizer at ground zero. Like we were, we were oh, right wow. there. Uh, it was a phenomenal product. Um, but still in all of those jobs, we were working for other people. And so we just, we were in our mid twenties and we understood each other. We understood our drive and our passion. And we were just tired of, we were getting super impatient with working for other people. Neither one of us had ever baked a cupcake or had ever worked in the business. Um, that was actually the premise of the show. Uh, I, this will not be in order, but it was uh, one, never start a business you know nothing about. <laughs> B, or two, never start a business with your best friend. And three, never start a business without a business plan. That is fun. So, so we essentially broke these rules and that is what created the opportunity of doing the show. Got it. Um, and so the show aired uh, 2010. Uh, there was obviously a lot of personal backstory in there and it was beautiful because at the time, personally, I was just about to do in vitro so my entire um, 12 months leading up to my first son being born is now on, you know, available on Amazon or on DVD. And oh, wow. my son's now 10. So that is he's, funny. He, he, he loves it. Although yeah. he's pissed that he's not on the show. Um, <laughs> um, that, 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 that's a whole other interview. Yeah, but, no, um, that's really cool though. So what the show did is um, it really obviously highlighted running a business with your best friend, but um, you know, it's, it's, it was an incredible opportunity and experience. But when the show was over and I had to get back into work with you know, building up this brand and being, building up this business, what was really frustrating me as an entrepreneur is how limiting a cupcake was. Okay. They're very temperamental. We bake them fresh. They don't ship well. Um, you definitely need to eat cupcakes within two to three days. Right. So the idea of ice cream landing on my lap was really exciting because here was a product that's got legs on it, right? You can yeah. ship it. Right. You can throw it across the country. And um, 
Uh, that really enticed me because here I saw this as an opportunity to build a company that I could scale. Got and it. I liked, and that motivated me. No, that's awesome. Is it, that was another question I was thinking of before we got on is it, I, I assume because it's frozen, it lasts a while, which is, it sounds like it does. Is it really expensive to ship though? Is, I'm assuming like that part of, of running the business has to be somewhat expensive. I, I would assume that like frozen or refrigerated, you know, uh, logistics is a lot more than like what I'm used to with RX bars. Absolutely. And definitely more in Canada. Okay. Yep. A hundred percent. Yep. For, for example, Amazon doesn't even sell ice cream online in Canada. Right. Yeah. And as a result, I won't either until Amazon does because okay. the fulfillment and the logistics just aren't worthwhile. Right. It's just yeah. who's I mean, would you pay $200 to have ice cream shipped to you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's something funny. Cause that's, that's something, I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time in e-commerce um, at RX and before, and that was something that was interesting was once we started, once I really started getting into the weeds for us, uh, seeing that that's a category that's not sold on there. Do you think that's something that they're ever going to try to get into? I mean, I know it's expensive, but it seems, it seems like I'm surprised no will, one's really done it. I think it depends on population. Yeah. Right. And we just don't have the density here. Sure. I can do that within major cities. And so eventually within urban centers, I'll be able to achieve that. Right. But that's not where my focus is right now. My focus okay. is distribution growth within grocery channels okay. and um, brand awareness. So until I achieve that, um, then I'll be able to consider that. And it's different in the U.S. Um, there's a lot of platforms in the U.S. that ship frozen goods and uh, because there's the population. So I'll be able to leverage that once I get down there. Got it. Yeah, no, I love it. So then what is your, what's your distribution strategy? You kind of hit on it, but you're, you're going after the grocery channel right now, getting um, brand equity out there. Is that kind of the path right now? And then what's the, what's the next few stages look like for people who end up, I mean, I'm sure if anyone is listening to this and you're in the Vancouver area, you got, you got to find it and check it out. And then, yeah, what's your plan for next steps for distribution? Definitely national. Okay. And um, the focus would be for 2021. And so Betterwith is currently available in Western Canada. So the goal for 2021 is, is absolutely to expand nationally across the country, really stabilize that, bring the awareness up and, um, and create an experience, you know, create a culture around this brand that differentiates us from everyone else. Uh, as I said earlier, really be, have a voice that resonates with something that is driven by personality and values, Right. Right. And take and take that timing and when we're ready with that to expand into the U.S. Because admittedly, um, there's a lot more competition in the U.S. You know, aside from Haagen-Dazs, there's a lot of um, ice cream shops that are in grocery that are killing it, that are that have a lot of brand loyalty. They deserve it. They're really good product um, where that's not going to be my model. You know, okay. my model is still going to be to stay in grocery. Um, so my offering is quite different, right? When Better With is going to be positioned in the grocery, whether it's in Canada or in the U.S., that price point is going to be competitive with Haagen-Dazs. Okay. Um, because is that I'm not, kind of your like key? Is that who you're focusing on mostly from a price point perspective? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope to share the shelf space with Haagen-Dazs, right? Yeah. I think there's room for both of us. And um, we both stand, for, we, we both offer a very similar product. The biggest difference um, 
because of who I am and because of um, the nature of the product, which is an advantage, is Better With though has about, it averages per SKU between 24, accurately, 24 to 37% less sugar than Haagen-Dazs does. Oh, that's a lot. So um, that's substantial. And that would be the primary difference. But as far as the mouthfeel and uh, the ingredient deck, it would be almost identical. Got it. Okay. And then um, can you give people just, I think people who maybe aren't in food would love to know this too. And I think being in food, I, I think it's an interesting question is why are you, why are you focusing on grocery and just like your methodology behind like why you want to focus on that so much first? Well, I'm in it. So okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Once I made that commitment, you should have asked me that question before I got in this. So um, having a retail bakery, I really underestimated the difference in the business model from grocery to um, something like having your own shop. And I think the advantage that I can bring to this business and this product is understanding how important it is to have that a customer experience mm-hmm. and that connection with the customer. That's where we thrived with cupcakes and they saw that in us and that's why they did the show. And um, being right in front, you know, whether you're selling, which is what, which is the strengths that we brought to both companies um, at cupcakes, we were selling directly in front of them to them developing these relationships. And so what I bring to this company now in a CPG space where there isn't that natural connection, that's what I'm harping on, is making this an experience. What Ice Cream has shown us during this time of COVID is it is a important product during COVID. It's a product that people rely on, it provides comfort, and it aids in stress. It's an emotional driver, right? Yeah, right. And um, the category has been surging since COVID you know, the conversation of COVID came out and that's an emotional reaction. And so for me in this creation with digital content, what I'm thinking of is how can we connect through digital and through these social platforms and feel like we're in the room with the customer while they're enjoying this product, you know, and be, and be a part of that. And, and not only be a part of it, but support them through what they're going through because we're all, we're all eating ice cream for different reasons. Sure. Right. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. So then during COVID have, have you guys actually seen growth? Cause it's kind of funny just, you know, in my line of work at RX, it's like, you know, people aren't going to the gyms and commuting and, and eating a snack as much. Like, so this year has been tough on us because the, the use occasion is actually the opposite where it's just not there the same way it was mm-hmm. before COVID. But for you guys, it actually could be the other way. So have you seen an uptick in sales and an uptick in growth this year because of COVID? For us, it's been the opposite. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So it's been the best year. It's the best year that I've had in the business. Um, You know, what's happened is in this market, and I can only speak for the market that I'm in, where Haagen-Dazs has been sold out, it's been the first time that customers have organically discovered better with. So they've been reaching out to me going, oh my God, I finally tried better with and for the first time, and this is way better than Agendas. Wow. Did you know? Right. Why isn't this here? Why isn't this everywhere? So I've actually had a lot of engagement. This is where this idea of connecting um, digitally with the consumers came from. It's because of the customer reaching out to me. That's cool. You know, wanting more of it and telling me about the product, like as if I didn't know. So (laughs) It was really fun. And they're like, I'm going to take these, I'm going to take this empty pint to my 
you know, my closer grocery store and get it in there. And so it's been- oh, that's um, good. A little organic sales going on. Yeah. It's been interesting, unexpected, surprising, and um, really exciting when a customer um, is willing to do that for you. Yeah. And that's been, that's been shown a lot of um, just dynamic energy between, it happens on a weekly basis right now. So it's right. cool. Sure. No, that's awesome. For people who are listening who don't know, I mean, like, I think it's interesting too, you know, RX, we launched in 2018 in Canada. And I, I didn't know until we started doing business up there, just like how spread out you guys are. I, mean, I knew this, but like, you guys really, you're like, you're population is really made up of like west coast toronto east coast and it's like there's not a whole lot elsewhere it's like very very pocketed is that where you would also want to go next are you thinking like grocery and like the toronto area and then i know for us even you know another thing with canada is dealing with the the french packaging if you want to go all the way to the east coast too so what does that all look like for you before I launched, I knew the goal was to be national. So the packaging was created nice. appropriately right from the beginning. Right. I can show you. Look. Yeah, you have it. I yeah, I love the packaging. Right I think it's I think it's so, really unique. Love it. Did you one of the questions I actually had, did you come up with that yourself or did you end up having like a, an agency or someone help you get develop the the branding? I think it looks so cool. I'm um I'm really good at selling and I'm absolutely an expert on eating ice cream, but okay. I have no talent when it comes to creativity. I did though bring two things to the brand package as you see it uh, as inspiration. I loved the gold and that was taken from a beautiful bottle of Portuguese olive oil oh, um, because the gold to me indicated premium. Yes. The best. Right. And the teal or sea foam, as we refer to it, the mint color um, was came from this beautiful Italian pasta line. It's actually the oh. same Pantone as this oh, pasta cool. line. So I brought the design agency a box for inspiration of what I really liked as far as what I felt represented how I wanted it to look. But as far as the look and everything, they did that. And oh, that's um, cool. I also wanted it to reflect um, a clean and simple look for sure. So yeah. I understood that instead of clutter. Right. Um, but what I was doing it while they were doing that is I was in a puffy jacket in the frozen aisle of all the grocery stores in my market and um, with a clipboard, just watching and asking strangers their opinion on ice cream. Yeah. You oh, know, wow. I was, okay. I spent a lot of time with this kind of organic collecting data, just, just curious, curious questions. Yeah. Um, putting the kids to bed and then going to Whole Foods down the street and literally oh, wow, really? spying on customer behavior. <laughs> you can learn a lot at Whole Foods. I haven't, I hadn't been to a Whole Foods in a while and I just went to one a couple of weeks ago and I was telling my wife, I was like, I went in to get one thing and I ended up walking around the whole store because now I'm, I'm just so obsessed with brands. And so I was just going like aisle by aisle and it's just wild to see all of the different innovative brands that you can find in Whole Foods these days. And, and I'm going to add to that, which is why Whole Foods is a leader. It's their merchandising. Yes. Oh, 100%. You know, their merchandising. And from my background, which I also, um, in fashion and in retail, I really appreciate that because they do such a good job that you walk in there intending to spend $50 and you end up spending $100. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's entirely a reflection of their merchandising. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It is. It's really good. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, 
another, one question, not to like pivot, but kind of one that I think is interesting given the kind of the background of, of where you are and where you're scaling that I love to talk with founders on here is just, so it, I know you got the concept um, from the area you live and I, this whole story is really cool to me. How did you go about, and I know you, you like, you had your own business and you run a show, so maybe you had some success there. How did you think about starting a, an ice cream company, um, bootstrapping it versus thinking about raising money? And if you had considered both of those and kind of, I would love to just know a little more about your thought process and what you decided to kind of do when you started the business. We've had a lot of people on here who have done totally different things. And the one thing I've learned the most is that there's not one right way to do it. So just curious on, on just your thoughts there. Well, this is the this is where the truth comes out. Um, because I knew I wanted to scale from the beginning, and um, I actually, uh, knowing I was going to scale, knowing that I was going to rely on co-packing relationships, sure, I didn't think in the beginning I needed to raise a lot of money or have a lot of money into this. Okay, um, which of course I was horribly naive about because I didn't understand um, what a promo rebate was. Oh yeah. And, and, and as you mentioned earlier, the margins in freight and storage. So in the very beginning, I definitely was able to finance this from, you know, a little bit of money that I made from the show and the business and stuff like that. But um, I quickly discovered right after we launched that I was going to have to raise some more money and everybody, everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean, I had people, um, in Canada, the equivalent of Shark's Tank is Dragon's okay. Den. Yeah. I had dragons calling, like I developed obviously this kind of local persona and celebrity, right? From okay. the show, like the, the show yeah, was yeah, right. sold in 95 countries around the world and we won a Gemini award. And so there was, so there was a celebrity appeal. So I was able to get really great press and um, I had all these people telling me not to do it. Okay. Everybody don't do it. Don't bother. Um, I actually, everybody that I pitched, um, they wouldn't touch frozen. Okay. Um, the, the, probably the most um, optimistic response that I got was um Call me back once you've done a million dollars in sales. Prove it out a little bit. Yeah. So I actually, at the age of 45, I, I, I really still do. But at the time, because it, it was very dark time, mm -hmm. um, I believed in my products so much that I moved home with my parents at the age oh, of 45. Wow. Yeah, got it. Um, the ultimate entrepreneurial sacrifice, right? Sure. And um, I'm an only child and we have this beautiful organic farm, you know, that I yeah, talked about right. earlier. And, and my dad just looked at me and they know my work ethic. Right. And they were like, look, this is your future. So bet the farm. Oh, if you want to do this, bet the farm. Yeah. And so COVID changed everything for me because it allowed me to really stabilize and focus on how to build out the business and not, um, and grow organically without spending any money that I didn't need to. And, um, you know, I, I think by this time next year, I'll be able to call those people that told me to call them back. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Very cool. So yeah, it was, so it's kind it was of really a, hard. Yeah. I was gonna say, so it sounds like it's kind of been a two part process that you're kind of in the middle of. Yeah. And, um, that's my story Yeah, and that's my journey. And I think, 
I'm really proud of the decisions that I've made. Has it been difficult? Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's just the way it is in the startup world. And that's why I rely on listening to other startup stories because a lot of them are similar. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of, um, you got to stay focused. You got to stay committed to the values of what you intend to do and don't let naysayers stop you. Right. You know, yeah. I know how good my ice cream is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Your, so your product speaks for itself. You also, you mentioned a few things in there that I think, I mean, I, I, I hear in nausea when it comes to successful entrepreneurs, it's complete and utter belief in the product. Like just, you're so gung ho about it. You completely believe in it. And that I think probably goes a long way. And then too, it just sounds like your resilience. It sounds like, you know, you're like going to figure out any way to make it work where a lot of people probably along the route, you know, could have had any of those hiccups and decided, okay, man, I should just get out of the business. Right. So it seems like in every single one of those, you've, you've taken the step forward instead of pausing. I have a, I have a skew that I created for myself because I don't like vanilla. Okay. Vanilla is the number one skew in any ice cream category or any ice cream brand. Is it really? Vanilla yes. is? Oh, wow. It, and, and it's so vanilla. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's, I'm a chocolate person. I would always pick chocolate over vanilla. So that's, that's a bummer to hear. Vanilla is always, always the number one. And I think my ice cream is so good. I created cream. Okay. So I have a flavor that isn't a flavor. That. Yeah. And that's, and that's how good my ice cream is, is that I didn't have to mask it with the flavor. Love it. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't realize that was like kind of the concept or reasoning behind that. It, that's my personal, um, you know, I, I, when I was, when I was making it and when we were creating it and creating the flavors, which of course I, you know, got some Nielsen data and I was like, what are the Haagen-Dazs top 10 flavors? Sure. You know, it yeah. was like, I mean, the data's out there, right? Right, right, right. And so I did that, but then it was like, and I actually personally don't like anything about vanilla. I, I don't like the smell. I don't like the taste. And so I felt that through everything I was going through, I deserved my own flavor. And um, coming from this European upbringing where everything is very simple, and, um, you know, less is more. The cream is this incredible flavor that adds and pairs with everything without taking away from what you're pairing it with. So, you know, affogato, like espresso, or pairing that on top of pie where you don't have it, the vanilla competing with the chocolate. So right. it's like, like think frozen whipping cream. Yeah, like okay. Who doesn't want that? Yeah, that sounds delicious. <laughs> exactly. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. And it sounds like, I mean, you, you also have, um, like the concept is ice cream. You're focused on ice cream. Do you foresee the brand being more than ice cream someday? Maybe. Maybe. But yeah. right now, um, my obsession is to really stay focused and create amazing flavors and, uh, and build up this brand. Yeah. The word better with uh, really lends itself nicely to do really fun stuff and, you know, better with this and better with that. And so we can play with that and I'd be super open-minded to that, but I don't think that'll be this chapter. Got you know, it. that yeah. could be someone else's chapter. Got it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I was just curious. Totally makes sense. Um, kind of to build on that. I mean, knowing that 2021 you're hoping for national distribution at some point you'd love to get into the United States. What, in your perspective, what does the one, three, five year outlook kind of look like for better with? Oh, by three to five, definitely be going into the U.S. Okay. And then that will be um, the most, not only scary, 
journey, admittedly, yeah. for sure. But um, the most thrilling ride that I can't wait for. I, I can't wait for it and I can't wait for it. You know, I just, sure. I really want to make sure we do this properly. Um, I can't do it alone. You right. know, this is the first, during COVID, I was actually able to hire my first employee. Oh, I was going right? to ask, I was going to ask if you have a team yet or is it just you? Yeah. Up until April, it was just me. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. So yeah. uh, me and me and my friends up island in their ice cream shop, which aren't part of my company, but they've been mentoring me. Right. Yeah. So I now have a production manager who's also R&D and he's brilliant. And it's, it's amazing to actually have someone that I can finally, you know, work with, bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Trust. Trust. Yeah. Um, right. Right. <laughs> share. Like someone that actually knows and feels what I'm going through. So, um, you know, the priority before going into the U.S. will be making sure that we have the team in place. We have the manpower. We have the money and and we nail it. We do it right. Right. It's important about doing it right. So I'd rather take the time and, you know, just do it properly. And you sound like you're at a really exciting point, too, because, I mean, once you get national distribution in Canada and if you want to go to the U.S., I mean, that's that's going to be a whole different, better with organization than I'm sure it is now, right? You're going to need a lot more people and resources and that's a whole nother undertaking. So it's exciting. Oh, it totally is. And, you know, I think um, with, with all the time that I spent running, developing Cupcakes, which was, uh, we started in 2002. So what was that? It was like 15 years that I was involved in that. Um, I learned a lot about management and about, um, just how to be a leader. Right. Right. And the accountability of that. And so I'm excited to be able to do that again. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super exciting. That's awesome. Um, some of the questions I always like to ask founders towards the end. Um, so it sounds like, I mean, especially for you, you have one other person now, but you've been building a business and doing everything. It sounds like from sales to marketing, to supply chain, to finance, everything. What, um, what tools do you use to, you know, keep track of goals for the company, weekly stuff down to like daily tasks? Do you have anything that's really worked for you over the years of starting these different businesses? Um, I literally find uh, a pad of paper and a pen. Uh, I can't be anywhere without that. That's always within arm's reach. Okay. Um, I'm constantly writing everything down and referring to that. I, I'm, I'm very simple that way. And, um, I have about a year ago, I discovered a book and an author who probably has had a tremendous impact on me. So um, Ramping Your Brand is a book that's now become my toolkit. And um, I'd highly recommend that to any uh, aspiring or start any uh, CPG brand that's in the startup phase. It's available on Amazon and Dr. James Richardson is the author, but the timing, it was very serendipitous. It was pre-COVID and um, the book just, he's an expert. He's clearly knows what he's talking about. And RX Bar is actually mentioned in the book oh, cool. uh, being okay. a unicorn brand. And, you know, it's like, how did, how do you ramp up your brand? So perfect book for me to read at the time, sure. but to answer your question, yeah, those are the tools that I rely on, books, podcasts, to keep me in check that yeah. what I'm, the pain that I'm feeling and going through is normal, and uh, just making sure that I document everything. And okay. I have also no problem picking up the phone. Got it. And 
calling who I think um, is an expert in the field and, and picking their brain. I really rely on that. Oh, got it. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, and then when you say documenting, what do you mean by that? Just journaling everything, okay. you know, yeah. like the, I have so many pads of paper where that's where everything is, right? Everything from what do I need to do today? Um, what do I, what have I done this week? What's going on? And uh, it's just, it's just something that I couldn't live without. Love it. No, that's fantastic. That's great. My next question was going to be your favorite book that you'd recommend to the listeners, but would it be ramping your brand or is there another one you'd like to also recommend? Uh, well, definitely ramping your brand is the one that I've been referring to. Um, what is another one that I read this year? Oh, I do have one. I'm going to go get it. All right, let's do it. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Just having a moment where I can't the, the AirPods. Oh, never split the difference. Oh, okay. Yes. We, um, okay. So I haven't, I didn't, it was funny. I didn't get a chance to, cause I'm not in our sales organization necessarily. Uh, I support them, but don't, I'm not in them. Yes. We, our sales team got to, he came out and like met our RX sales team and like everyone read that book and that's like pivotal. I've, I haven't finished it. I've read parts of it before meetings, but we've actually, I've actually like read that before going into like big customer meetings. It's a great, great resource. So again, uh, read it twice. Okay. Never split the like, difference. Um, if you want to understand, you know, this is probably the thing that's um, been the hardest for me. Um, okay. Not only uh, coming into grocery as a small business, uh, an entrepreneur for the first time, but being taken seriously. Got it. You know, yeah. um, starting co-packing relationships and holding them accountable and having them take you seriously that, um, you know, you're, you're worthy of them making your product and having, being in the position of negotiating, that's ah, been the, yeah. the toughest thing to, um, have credibility when you're such a small company, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, Everyone, probably if you've never, if you had some of that, you probably had never done before, right? had done none of it before. Yeah. That's and, so wild. That's you so know, cool. um, despite, despite kind of my past experience, it's very humbling. Sure. And um, I think one of the best qualities that I bring is my patience, you know? So in the, in the beginning when co-packers were like, and this literally happened, it was like, yeah, we will make your product, but it needs to be COD, um, you know, we're going to charge a ridiculous amount of money. And by the way, this isn't going to, there's not going to be a contract and um, you know, we're going to have to double volume. Like it, in what world do you live in where your volume production minimums are doubled, but they charge you more money. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and because I'm in the ice cream business and I'm in Western Canada and they knew that no one else could make my product, I would just say, sure. Great. Oh, okay. No you know, little did they know that I was working from home and I didn't have the, you know, fix, fixed expenses of an office, right? Yeah. So for me, that really helped with my bottom line and oh, allowed me to, to compromise, right? Yeah. The goal was just to keep ice cream on the shelf, right? It wasn't about building at that time. It wasn't about building a profitable product. It was okay. about getting the product out. Got it. Oh, that's interesting. So you're able to, you know... Maybe you had an uphill battle because of your scale and your size, but you were able to kind of counteract that just with the the ability to, you know, not have the overhead costs that a normal company would have. 
Exactly. Interesting. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Very interesting. Um, you've talked about a lot of this in here, but this, just one other question is just like if, if a one liner or one, one thing as a, a soundbite for somebody, what advice do you have for anyone who wants to start their own company? What, especially in the CPG space? Well, advice is, is if, if they are a, entrepreneur, a bootstrapping entrepreneur, they're playing the long game. They need to be, they need to understand that this is not something that's going to happen overnight. Got it. And, um, you know, this is a 10 year journey for me. Right. Minimum. Okay. So I have that patience. Um, I feel like I'm young and I have the energy and the focus to do it. But for a lot of people um, that are coming out of tech where things can happen very rapidly, this sure. is, this is not that industry. Yeah. So the best advice that I can give is understand the game that you're getting into. And the CPG game is a long game. Right. Got it. No, that makes sense. That's great advice. Um, and then lastly, how can people find you find better with, especially if they're outside of the Vancouver area? What do you have any suggestions on, you know, following you on social media or your media play? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the easiest is betterwith.com, uh, the website. You have a great website, website, by the way. Well, yeah. thank you. When is Love this going to air? Um, I will probably have this up. This is on Friday, probably like Monday or Tuesday. Oh, wow. That's okay. I have, yeah, I have one other episode changing. that I need, to, I need to put. Oh, it is. Yeah. So thank you for loving the website. No, I do. It's great. I was, I was really impressed. I was like, can I buy ice cream on here? That was the one thing I was trying to figure out. It's like, it, but we, I answered it on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, I'm just a big tease. No, it's okay. It's all good. It's, uh, it looks great. Um, very good. Well, so betterwith.com. Are you on social media or anything? As far as like Instagram? better with foods, okay, yep, perfect. Better with foods, and um, and people can always just you know reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah, Mary Joyce, I'm uh, I I absolutely would love to have numerous conversations and Zoom chats and be part of someone else's startup journey. Awesome, that sounds great. Yeah, and I'll link all that in the show notes so everyone can find you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. And like you said. Um, when you finally get into the U S we should do a round two and we can uh, share it out with everybody. Thank you, Shane. And good luck with the podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you do, excuse me. Wow, that was a stumble. Hope you enjoyed today's episode with Lori Joyce from Better With Ice Cream. If you guys love today's episode, the only thing I'm going to remind you of is to leave a review and most importantly, share it with your friends, your family, throw it on social media, wherever it is that you share all the cool stuff you listen to. Uh, and thank you. That truly has been the biggest way that this podcast has continued to grow is by people like you sharing it out with one friend or one family member or putting it on your Instagram story. <laughs> Thank you for, for listening to today's episode. Thank you for the continued support and I will talk to you guys soon. Goodbye.